Hello, everybody, and welcome to another uh, episode of uh, Inspiring Times with the Menti Corey's podcast. Uh, today, I have a special guest on. Um, Mr. Olson is the founder and former COO of Verifax Automotive, LLC, and was uh, with the company until November of 2016. He is currently the CEO of Vehicle Collision Experts. He is also president of Future Forensics, Automotive Damage Investigation, a company founded in 1997. His company specialized in partnering with collision repair technicians, shop owners, managers, estimators, and forensic evaluations of collision damage vehicles, quality of repair issues, and valuation issues. He has over 32 years of experience in the collision repair industry, including roles as collision repair and refinish technician, body shop management, and ownership. He has also worked as an independent physical damage appraiser and is a former Allstate Insurance Company adjuster. He is a former regional trainer of Hunter Engineering in Missouri with training centers in Seattle, Portland, Bay Area, Orange County, and Hawaii. Uh, Mark is known as an expert in the industry. He's been involved in well over 8,000 individual cases as an expert witness in matters of collision repair, uh, vehicle collisions, and manufacturer defects. He has also testified in many states in well over 100 cases. Uh, Mark is also licensed insurance adjuster and public adjuster in many states. Um, Mark has also traveled all over the United States teaching for ICAR and other companies. He's also working with individual technicians, collision repair facilities on proper repair methods and collision repair and conducting seminars, which is where I've gotten to know Mark uh, with industries like in, uh, Iowa Collision Repair Association, Nebraska Auto Body Association, as well as the Kansas Auto Body Association. Uh, he has presented many times at NACE, SEMA, and other trade shows, uh, many collision repair associations, just like the few I mentioned. Um, so with that, I'd like to welcome uh, Mr. Mark Olson. Mark, you on the line? I am. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, uh, to join me on my Inspiring Times podcast. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, that intro was well-deserved. Uh, well well, well, thank you. And, and one thing that I, I did need to point out, I, I think you said that I was the founder of Verifax. I was actually the co-founder of Verifax, but I uh, just want to, you know, keep the record straight. So that kind of thing. But thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for uh, definitely coming on. Uh, I've known you now for three years. Um, yep. And I would have to say that uh, I would not just consider you a person that I've developed uh, a friendship with in the industry, but as a friendship overall. Uh, it's been numerous different occasions that we've had the opportunity just to talk about life as well in general. Yep. And yep. Uh, so this podcast that we're doing is to talk a little bit about the industry um, that we're both in, but also talk a little bit about life, uh, entrepreneurships and stuff like that. So, um, you know, tell me a little bit for our listeners what you're currently working on right now. Uh, well, you mean right this second? I'm wow. trying to turn the I'm trying to turn the air conditioner on. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so obviously with COVID nineteen and the entire industry of collision repair industry basically taking a hit, and I and I personally I don't believe that it's coming back to where it was pre COVID uh, anytime soon. And so what we're working on is you know, what's next for shops? What can they do to survive? What can they do to, you know, thrive? 
considering that you know let's let's say that our industry gets back up to eighty percent of the of the pre-COVID. What are we going to do with the other twenty percent? But then also not just get to the another twenty percent to get back to where we were, but how do we actually thrive beyond that? So right. how do we diversify? You know, we've been working with a lot of a lot of companies. In fact, a number of the companies that you work with, we work with, and so you might have seen some changes within some of them. But really, you know, it, it, the people that are hoping it goes back to where it was, uh, it's not going to. So what you know what can we provide or what can we do um, working with some of the oe manufacturers on you know on different things so we are playing in a lot of different directions and you know one of the things about uh 2020 is you know in december i did my business plan for 2020 and it mm-hmm. was not on track until about february and then <laughs> COVID hit, and <laughs> COVID hit and you know, my sales, you know, my revenue sales went down 90% in March. It just did. So, you know, we made some very quick adjustments in different things. And we're at about 70% of pre-COVID now, which, you know, is fine. And, you know, but what does it look like to have my, com- my company thrive and survive, you know, along with all the other companies that we work with? And, you know, it's, we're going to have to constantly reinvent. So I, I did a business plan in, 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 at the end of March. Then I looked at it in June and that didn't work. So I did another one at the end of June and now we're at the end of July. It's like, well, okay, let me start another one. And we're just living in a world of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. I would have told you in January that we would, they would shut the entire economy down. Kobe Bryant would die. We'd have murder hornets. There'd be riots all over the, all over the country. Um, social upheaval all in the face of a uh, presidential election year. You would tell me, Mark, you need to quit drinking. <laughs> right, right, right. But the reality is that's what's happened. And, you know, and I really believe that we have to consider that, you know, we've been, you know, kind of slapped upside the head three or four times this year. I think we're going to get slapped a couple more this year. And so I think it's, you know, really my advice to people is what does it take to look like and stay nimble on your feet and just get that, that, you know, it's like you're in a prize fight in a box, you know, you're boxing, you know, they, they throw a punch. You know there's another one coming. You don't know what direction it's coming from, but be prepared that it's coming. Right. Just plan accordingly. And I, and I would agree with you because, I mean, you know, like me, the same thing. You know, I, I thought, you know, looking at uh, January going into this year was just going to be a dynamite year for us. Uh, you know, I, I mean, me, fortunately, I adapted right away. I mean, and I'm not a desk guy. I, I, I don't like being behind a desk. I don't. I don't enjoy doing that. That's not, I took the position that I have to be able to get out and see people. So for me was to readapt myself behind a desk for 10 weeks. And I would have to say the first four weeks, we were very successful. You know, we were reaching out to customers that we, that we didn't get a chance to see ever in person, you know, but we were reaching out to people via the phone and, you know, getting them demos of our product and, you know, the cloud estimating and then getting them to get integrated repair. So our first month actually was very successful for me and my Insight Partner Lion. However, then the next month started to slow down and then the following month slowed down because people were still in that point of where they were still having overflow that they were working on in that first month. Would you agree? Absolutely, yep. You know, and then yeah, that yeah, slowly started they, to they, taper away. People had to work through their backlog and took some people, you know, 30, you know, 60 days, but then it, it reality hit. So what have you done differently now? Because you have guys that go out and do inspections at shops and everything. Of course, I know that 
that had come to a halt, but now yep. your guys are going back out there again. What what ways yep. are you changing your work style now for going in the shops? Well, so first of all, I just want to be fair that we have guys and gals. We, we have both that are out there in the field. In fact, I can tell you, um, kudos to the women because they actually do a higher quality product overall than the men. So just saying. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, they're my rock stars, you know. Uh, if I have special projects or things that I got to have done right, I kind of lean on the women. But um, so, but what have, what have we done different? Well, so we had a little bit of a scare and what happened was one of our people walked into a shop and when they walked into the shop, the shop actually told them that we don't wear masks in our shop. Take your mask off. So he did. And he took it off. And then what happened is the, it, that five or six days later, he started coming down and not feeling good. And he's like, man, I just don't feel good. And wound up going to the hospital. They gave him COVID test. He had COVID. And so then it's like, well, I get the phone call and I'm like, okay, well, what do we do? And so it's, so we backtrack and we look at where, where's he been, et cetera, and blah, blah, blah. And we called the shop, one, one in particular that he had been in most recently. And they did started testing their crew. And it turns out one of their people was positive. And so what happened is we don't know if he got it from him or the guy at the shop got it from him. I, I, we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that happened. So we immediately stopped our entire field operations, like in, like threw the brakes on within 20 minutes of that phone call. I said, we're done. Then put in a protocol that I needed to have a negative COVID test from every single person that's in the field that represents Vico and an, an additional protocol that's still going on to this day which is, so everybody got a, a negative COVID test. We, of course, paid for that. Um, and some of them took a long time, which was frustrating, but we got them all. And, well, and then we put in a new policy. And the policy is when they leave their house or their hotel room or wherever they are, they take their temperature. And if they're 100 degrees or less, they can proceed. If, they can't, if they're not 100 degrees or less, they cannot go out and represent Vico in any, any form or fashion. Um, and they also are required that if they do, te- they do have a temperature of over a hundred, more than a hundred degrees. So if it's a hundred point one, they have agreed to 14 day quarantine mm-hmm. and get a COVID test in, in, or, and get a COVID test. And if they're negative, that's fine. But the reality is that's what they're doing. So the next step is they go to the shop or the customer's house, whatever it is, and they take their temperature in the car and <laughs> Then if they're hundred degrees or less, they can go into the shop or the customer and then they take their temperature in front of them. And once they do that, if they're hundred, they're hundred degrees or less, they verify it with their contact. They take a picture either of the house number they're at or the sign of the shop that they're at or whatever it is, something that identifies it and they text it and they, and that's what they have to do. And if they, and if they don't do that, they cannot perform the, the audit or the task or whatever they're doing. Well, you know, and it's, and it's kind of weird because, um, you know, I don't, I don't consider this to me, this is not in my view, a, a new norm. I mean, nope. uh, on Monday and Tuesday, uh, we volunteered the, to help the church, uh, deliver backpacks to, to uh, pack backpacks with supplies as well as deliver them to schools. And, you know, when we went in and our church is, is a very large church method, a Methodist church in the Kansas city area. 
Uh, it's got six different locations and they're part of their protocol. Now is we have to sign a waiver where they also take your temperature when you go in to do any yep. volunteer work, which is just, you know, I, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and the, we've talked about this before. So I, I want to bring this up to you. All right. Um, we talked about the 1968 pandemic, uh, which was called the Hong Kong flu. All right. Yep. It was also, yep. it was also uh, caused by influenza as well. You know, and if you look at the population back in 1968, we had 200 million people. All right. And out of that 200 million people, there were only, um, let's see here, there was 1 million worldwide deaths, all right, 1, 1 million worldwide, but there was only 100,000 in the United States, all right? So yep. that is, and if you're looking at that population, now our population now is over 300 billion, right? And yep. if you look at the total deaths, we're 300, only- 300 million billion. Okay. There's yeah. only 844 deaths, 844 yep. deaths. All right. So we're not even close to what in 1968. So with me giving you those numbers and your numbers guy, do you yep. feel that we are, do you think we're going to an extreme with this pandemic? Um, well, before I answer that, let me give you one more stat. Okay. So let me ask you a question. How many cases of COVID do we have? That and and let, let's just say it's COVID and presumptive COVID because that's <laughs> that's kind of the number they're collapsing, right? Which is not 100 COVID, but COVID and presumptive. Where are we at in the United States today? Uh, there's uh, 443,000 cases uh, confirmed yep. per per today's update. Yeah. Okay. How many cases of H1N1 was there in 2008, 2009? Um, I don't remember. 45 million. It might have been 50 million. Now, that means that if we take 44,000, we are not even close to the numbers of H1N1. And I don't recall them shutting down the entire country and having this. We have a serious disease uh, virus, which is called COVID-19, that has been highly politicized, just my opinion. <laughs> and, and and well and, and you know and, and I think again, that was your question. <laughs> you know that 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 yeah. I mean, and that's you know again, this is not just we're not just talking about the industry. We're talking about life as a whole because totally. life as a yep. whole affects what we do in all industries. And you know, Absolutely. I want people, yep. I want people to be out there and and think about those numbers because nobody compares the numbers to other situations. They only listen to what the social media or the media out there portrays for what they want us to hear not what you can compare to other things. So I definitely wanted to ask you that to get your feedback. Well, on that. I can also and, throw a couple more stats at it. So I know personally three people that have gotten it. I don't know anybody that's died. I do, however, know that in the last 10 years of my life, I was just reflecting on this the other day, that I know of people that I actually know um, know, personally or through high school or whatever, just people I know, um, of about four suicides prior to COVID-19. I currently know of five that have happened since March. Wow. So, you know, there's, so that hits home. You know, one of them was a shop owner. Things went bad. He, you know, went in his car and he gassed himself. 
Now, who knows, if, you know, all those circumstances, but I find it highly suspect that all of a sudden people go, man, everything is great in 2020. Let's kill myself. Right. You know, that hits a little bit home to me that, yeah, although COVID-19 has, you know, I mean, people are dying from it. You know, my dad's 83. I don't want him to get it. He'll probably die. Right. But the reality is, is that if we shut down the entire country, I think there's a whole bunch of other consequences, you know, that I can, you know, and it's, it's my own data. It's not like I'm watching the news to get that data. These are actual people I know that committed suicide. Right. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, it, what would I mean? What would you tell anybody right now that wanted to be an entrepreneur, start their own business? I mean, because there was a lot of people that were looking at 2020 as being their year to to go on their own, whether it be as a, a technician becoming a shop owner, or whether it be you know someone own you know starting their own restaurant or you know. Um, uh, garage or it, it, anything, what would, what would you tell people today? Um, well, here's what I would say. There's never a good time to start a company and there's never a bad time. So let's just do a quick little walk through history. And, and, and so I'm 54. So kind of the, the big one that I started to remember was the ener energy crisis of 74. So I was like nine years old. Then we had the Iran Contra thing. And then we had the, the economy take a tank in about 1984. And then we had in the early nineties, we had a problem. And then we, 2001, the dot-com burst in 2007, 2008. If you look at it every eight to 10 years, something happens that derails the economy. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, my wife's in real estate and She's, you know, and, and you can just watch the pattern up and down, up and down. Every eight to 10 years, something happens. Sometimes less, sometimes more. So she's been sitting there and we do a little bit of real estate investing too. She's been sitting there going, you know, we're sitting there at the end of 2017. She goes, okay, here we are. 10 years, something's going to happen. You know, don't know what, but something will happen. And, and still, you know, we've kind of been, you know, pulling in a little bit more conservative because, Something's going to happen. And it did 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, the reality is, is that right now is a fantastic time to go out and get busy doing something, anything, because if you can get a company off the ground in this economy and you're prepared to get when things get better and they will, they always have, right. you know, crisis and all of a sudden, you know, it's like, remember back in 2020, remember back in 2007, 2008, remember back when 9-11 happened, the dot-com bubble, the energy crisis 74, it always gets better. So, you know, if you can buckle in and do and play really tight and just give it everything you've got, you're preparing yourselves for when things get better. So three or four years from now, things will get better. Five or six years from now, um, they'll be starting to get really good. And then something's going to happen again. <laughs> it's just how it is. Right. Right. And, well, I, and I, and I agree with you hundred percent, things go up and down. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's just life. I mean, everything goes, you know, in that pattern. I mean, even in our industry, you know, I noticed yeah. when I was in the shop, I mean, there were certain times the business was busy, depending on when yep. the kids were in school, out of school. I mean, that yep. just fluctuates. Um, yep. What is, what is the, one of the most important things you've learned in your life or business? 
And I got a three-part question for you. So what is the most important thing you learned in your life or business? What was your life before you learned it? And what is your life after you've learned it? Um, wow. I, that's, I, I normally am used to pretty standard questions. That's not a standard question to mention. <laughs> but so the, the most important uh, lesson I learned was when I started uh, Future Forensics. And when I started Future Forensics, I started the company and pretty much everybody told me, your idea will never work. And Future Forensics is the one where we do the investigations and courtroom testifying and all that. They said, you know, she doesn't need that. You know, what are you doing? And I left a pretty lucrative job. I was at Allstate. Um, it was a good job at the time. And to start a company at Ground Zero. And pretty much everybody said, don't do it. You'll fail. So what I learned was, is that nobody knows me like I know me. And so I knew I had an idea. I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. I mean, my first six months in business with future forensics, I made $714 gross. I had a wife and three kids at home and a mortgage payment. It didn't go well. <laughs> but in the next three months, that number was over 40,000. And then I never looked back. But I can tell you the first six months in, my, my wife at the time was going, are you sure? Um, because, you know, we, we want to eat and the bank's calling about the house and um, all that. Um, and so, and there was a time where, and another lesson that I got out of that whole thing was, again, nobody knows me like I know me. But so I'm sitting there, my kids said, hey, let's go out to breakfast. I said, Okay. So I look in my pocket and I got about $3 in cash. My credit cards, I had about $6 of, of, uh, Room. of, of, of available credit on my visa. And hope to God they didn't charge me a service charge for that much because I would have been upside down. And uh, my cash card for my uh, debit card had uh, about two bucks. That's where I was at. And my kids wanted to go out to breakfast. So we go to Denny's. <laughs> cheapest place I can find, right? <laughs> and you know, I get an orange juice and they got the Grand Slam $1.99. I think the bill was like $5.85. And I did it and we made it work, right? Right. And that moment I said, that will never happen again. That I will not have an opportunity to be able to provide for my family. And nobody knows me like me. Okay, so then the second part of your question was, um, so that, that, that's the first part. What, what did I discover? And then what changed after that? So yep. is it so, okay. So what changed after that? Um, well, first of all, I don't listen to anybody. When I went to found, uh, uh, Verifax, uh, with, uh, my partner, I, we basically, they said, okay, you, okay, let me get this right. You're going to go into body shops. They're going to pay you to, t for you to tell them what's wrong. That'll never work. Well, nobody knows me like I know me, right? I went, they will. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, and then people said, well, it's hard to build a national, um, a national uh, uh, network of people around the country to do your business. It's going to be really hard to find the right people. I got it, but nobody knows me like I know me. I found them. At 27 of the biggest rock stars running around the country now working with me. And so, you know, it's really just the, you know, 
the success consists of getting up one more time than you fall. And, you know, there's been some setbacks, but you know, that's business. Well, do you, um, and so what was the third question then? Uh, it was what you learned, uh, your life was like after learning what you did. I think you pretty much answered oh. that. In well, that. I can tell you what it's, well, I can tell you what it's like. I have gotten really good at hiring great people and letting them do their jobs, listening to them, allowing them to uh, build my company. And here's the truth. People think that I work really, really hard. I have three companies and you know what? I get to manage the groups of people that are awesome. And if I want to go leave the house and go for a walk with my wife, I don't walk out of the house going, oh, geez, I need to sit next to my phone. I'll leave my phone at home and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. So what's my life like now is I would be sitting there, you know, working for somebody else and, you know, and dealing with all the things that people that didn't make the decisions that I made 20 some odd years ago um, that were safe to jump off the jump off the cliff. And, you know, and the worst thing that would happen is I'd have to start over, but I had, you know, God, I had $5 and 62 cents in my bank account. How, how much worse can it get? Right. Right. <laughs> right. No I, place I had to go, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's important for people to understand. I mean, people that are listening to this podcast need to understand that, you know, the reason why I called this inspiring time is because you know what, there are people out there, uh, entrepreneurs, people that have been, you know, at the bottom and they didn't quit, you know, just, you, you yep. can't ever quit. And, you know, I, I personally, Mark, I have a lot, I'm a very, uh, faith oriented person. I don't know if you are, yeah. uh, if, if, if yeah. you have faith and, and stuff like that. And, and I'm a firm believer, um, that, you know, with, with faith comes miracles. And I've been yep. truly blessed by, because I was, I was, I was kind of like you. I mean, I was in a situation where, you know, I was working all these hours in the body shop. My wife was working full time. You know, we, we had a nanny that was walking, grazing our kids. You know, there had to be something better, you know, and, yep. and I was blessed with having the opportunity to come work for Mitchell, which gave me the opportunity to be able to go out there and help and provide a service for other people like you do and, and make them better. So um, yep. to me, faith has been a very big part of where I'm at and not giving up and you know, listening to you talk, there's been other projects that I've tried to start and work on. And you know what? I gave up. And that's yep. on me because I came up with excuses on why not to go further. Right. I mean, well, but 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 it does make sense. You know, so so I just want to say a couple of things. So, first of all, people look at me on a financial level and all that as like an overnight success. Oh, my God. Oh my God, that's, you know, his life is so easy now. Well, no, I got my own challenges just like everybody does. But the reality is, is that, um, that people, what people don't see is the 16 hour days, not spending time with the kids as much being on the road. Uh, you know, my family actually, my wife actually took my kids and moved, moved them out of the country to Mexico because I was never around. And so I commuted to Mexico. I lived in Mexico for a while. But I, you know, that was in the beginning days of Verifax. People don't see all of the, all the sweat, blood, sweat, and tears that had to go into getting to where I'm at. Now, I, I've arrived at a place, and not to say that not, something could happen tomorrow, I'll take it all out away from underneath me. But here's the difference. I built it once. I can build it again. And I get to choose whether or not I build it. Right. 
but I've also started 17 companies of which about eight of them have fallen on their face. And then you just realize, oh, you know what? That didn't work. I know me better than anybody else knows me. So let me look. Does that make sense for me to do? Okay. Or pivot. So there's nothing wrong with giving up on something. If you really look at it and go, you know what? And the one thing you don't want to do, I don't think, is ever look at it and go, you know what? If I would have put more effort into that, that would have worked, but I was too lazy or I just didn't care. Right. But if, but if, and if that's the case, it's not a big deal. Just own it. Right. Blame others. I mean, you know, there's, there's nobody else that's responsible for me than me. Oh, absolutely. You know, I could say, I could say COVID screwed me up. I could say the government screwed me up. I could say my ex-partner when we blew up, when I blew out of Verifax, that screwed me up. But, you know, it, well, let me tell you something about me. So, you know how people have trophies? Mm-hmm. like plaques on their wall or yeah. their accomplishments and their trophies and all that. Yeah. So I was a high school basketball player. I got all kinds of awards and all that. How many of those do you think I still have to this day? Uh, zero. I don't have any. Do you know why? I would guess that uh, you don't look at the past. You look at the future. Right. Those don't represent the past. Or they don't, those don't represent where I'm going. Those only represent something that happened in the past. And I can't change the past. But I also can't ride on the past. Right. I create newly every time. You know, so when I get an award or something, it's great. I appreciate it and all that. But in my mindset is, okay, I won that or I did that. That's great. But what am I doing now to get the next one? And then, and then I won't even keep it. So I don't have any awards or plaques on my wall at all. And I understand that because uh, that's how I feel about, you know, Mitchell. I, I thrive to still be number one. And uh, as far as all the territories and, and, you know, regardless of what, you know, plaques or whatever, I just keep going on to the next one and, and not even paying attention. I just, I'm like you, I, I, I firmly agree with that. So what is, what well, is, go ahead. And one thing about it. And so let me say one more thing about that. So, um, one of the things, so, so my wife, she's in real estate, as I said, and she has a national trainer. His name is Mike Ferry. He has probably 25,000 followers and she's one of them. And she's been coached by him. And, you know, she, she, she does, she's probably top 1% in the nation in real estate. That's who she is. And you've met her. Spring. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, you'd never know it cause she doesn't flaunt it, but that's who she is. And uh, one of, and her real estate trainer said something really great. And I've gone to the seminars too, because it's just business. You're still on Yeah. You there? My phone rang. So oh, okay. anyhow, here, so, so here's, so, so here was the advice and, it, and I live it every day. Yesterday, whatever you did yesterday doesn't matter. You know, some people go, oh man, I can relax now. Cause I won. I got that big deal. I, you know, closed a bunch of last this and that. I start at zero every day. Like whatever happened yesterday doesn't matter. I'm at zero. What am I going to do today to get beyond zero? Right. And then if I choose to not get beyond zero, that's okay. But I chose that. So if I want to take the day off and not do anything, I'll still be at zero at the end of the day on a, on a business level. But now I'm nourishing my you know, my, my personal life or whatever. Right. You know, right. But I always start at zero every day. 
And that and that's important though. I mean, as far as not just turning the zero, but you just said something there about you know personal and business. You got to know when to be able to let your body enjoy some personal time instead of always being business, business, business. Those two have yep. to interact with each other because if they yep. don't, you will end up just totally burning yourself out and destroying yourself and, and, and other people will see it and you won't and you'll end up yep. pushing other people away from you. So yep. that is huge. That is huge. Yeah. My favorite pastime, a lot of people go out and have a, have a drink or they do that kind of thing, you know, to relax. You know what I do? I jump on my excavator. I got 20 acres of property and I'm doing all kinds of things. So I just go drive my excavator. It works pretty good. <laughs> there you go. You, that, does your wife think your tractor sexy? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we sold a house and she goes, okay, so what are we going to do? Should we buy you a new car? I said, I don't care about cars, whatever. My freaking 2001 Ford Ranger is fine. I'm going to go out and buy me a brand new excavator. So I did. <laughs> So, so. <laughs> she's, she's like, okay. <laughs> so Mark, tell us something that people seem to misunderstand about you. Um, you know, uh, people misunderstand about me. Um, I don't know. That's a really good question because I don't, So I, I guess I'm at the point in my life where I don't really care what people think of me. I'm going to do what I do. And if they like me, so I, I didn't, I didn't get into, okay, here's something that people don't uh, probably don't understand about me. Okay. It, it's just been my mantra. I don't do what I do to make friends. I do what I do to make a difference. And I've made a lot of great friends in the process. So I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't have a need to be liked by anybody. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of people that like me, but the reality is, is that it really, for me, is all about making a difference um, in, uh, in going through it. So, so give an example. So, so one of my heroes, and this is going to sound really weird, but one of my heroes is Jaime Roldos. Um, do you know who Jaime Roldos is? No, I do not. He was the president of, I forget which country. It was in, uh, it was El Sal- not El Salvador. It was Guatemala or one of those. And there was a company called United Fruit that was in the country. And he ran on a platform of let's give the land back to the people and kick the big corporations out so our people can prosper. You know, all these other countries are coming in with their big corporations and, and, and taking our wealth. And, and, he's, and, he, and he ran on that premise and he got elected and they kicked out all these big corporations. And he said something just super powerful. He said, you know what? That other country over there, they gave the guy a recorder, the plane crashed, it blew up, and I'm probably next. But you know what? I came here to get the land back to the people and I did that. If I don't live another day, I made a difference. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. You know, so I, not that I want to die because I got, I'm not done, but the reality is, is that if you can get yourself up to a, a, something bigger than, you know, much bigger than what you're up to on a, on a certain level, you know, I, I just want to make a difference. I want to travel the world, influence the masses and have people's lives work. 
Because if my life works and people around me's lives don't work, my life actually really doesn't work. But if people's around me lives work, then my life works. It's kind of a weird circle, but. No, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we get along so well is, you know, I'm more focused on helping other people get better. I mean, I don't, I really sincerely, I do not consider myself a salesman. I consider myself a consultant to be able to help people. I believe that my product that I have with Mitchell sells itself. I don't need to sell it. I just show it right. if it brings value and helps someone do better with repair procedures or run their cycle time or whatever that is in their shop. That's all that matters for me. And then being there for yep. them when they need me. I'm, I'm just a firm believer in that. So yep. what is the best tip that you can give our listeners on how to be making the world a better place? Um, first of all, start with yourself and get your own personal life in order. It doesn't make sense to, to have, to be telling people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. So just have integrity at that level. And then look out for a need and take on a cause. Take on a cause of, you know, whatever it is. If it's, you know, uh, you know foster kids or it's, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Pick a cause and dive into it. Because in life, most people, uh, their biggest problem is their problems aren't big enough. So if you got little problems, like you can't pay your bills, which most people don't think that's a little problem. Mm -hmm. But if you got up to taking on like world hunger, your little problem of you can't pay your electric bill pales in comparison to starving children. So get up to something in life that's bigger, much bigger than your problems, such that your little problems go away and you're up to something that makes a difference in the world. Oh, that's that's awesome. Dude. That's that's really awesome. So. I got to ask you a question. Well, and, 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 and let me just give you a little background. So I was sitting there and I, th I think I've told you this, but so how I got on to got onto doing what I'm doing. So I was watching TV and it was like one o'clock in the morning and this guy came on and he's talking about fear and the power of the firewalk and oh my God, and you can get my 30 day program and yada, yada. And I just looked at that guy and I said, you know what? that guy's got it made. He's traveling the world to influence in the masses. It's Anthony Robbins, by the way. Okay. And I said, I said, I want to do that. So there I was, I'm a body man. I'm 18 years old and I'm going, okay, I'm going to look at what does it look like to travel the world and influence the masses? And that, in that moment, I made up that vision that that's what I was going to do. Well, I was a body man. Not sure how that looked. But I set the intention of that, and all of a sudden, some doors started miraculously opening. So when you start talking about God and you know miracles happen and all that, I've had so many opportunities that you just can't explain how they happened. And so, but they did happen. And so, you know, set your goal, make it broad, and then let the world push you where the world needs you. So the world needed me into in talking about quality and process and collision repair. Okay, you got to remember back when I was 18, I was on my way to medical school and I was going to work my way through it as a body man. Didn't happen. It wasn't my calling. 
Right. So, right. Not I don't many, know if you knew that. Well, not many people knew. Well, not many people know. I mean, I know because I've had the opportunity to listen to you speak on, on different things, but not many people knew. Um, it wasn't in your bio about uh, you were going to school to be a psychiatrist. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so really, that's that. No, really, I was, I called you, man, you know, and that's psychology, not psychiatry, psychology. Psycho- I'm sorry, but, psychology. I apologize on that. And numbers, numbers and how the human brain work fascinate me. And I just happen to be a body man. And, you know, it's a weird combo. Well, maybe I need a psychiatrist. <laughs> maybe that's the reason why I'm thinking of it. I, that's probably why I popped in my head. But <laughs> what is uh, what is one thing that your program did um, for a client that you didn't expect? Um, well, you meant to, you should have given me these questions before. No, kind of like, you can't have the questions before. You, these I are, know. This now is, I'm prepared. But now you make me actually like like go back through my entire career and what did my program do? Um, and just one person that sticks out in your mind that, you know, that just was like, you didn't expect it to do as well as it did or. Well, let's talk about Dave and Dave is a body man in a shop in California and we would go in and work with him and he didn't want us in his stall. In fact, he was the body man in most shops have one that's just the jerk and everybody just kinds of voids because he's grouchy. That, that, that body man. Yeah. And we kept going back in. In fact, one day he told me to get the hell out of his shop. I think there was a few more F words in there too. Um, and then uh, he even complained to the managers, keep him out of here and all that. Well, my job is to go back in and, and deal with him. This is back when it was, the company was young. So I was actually in the shop myself. So fast forward a couple of years later, I walk into another shop in California and we're getting ready to do what's called a kickoff. And the kickoff is where we start the program and everybody get everybody on page of what we're doing and all that, our, our, our monthly program. And, oh my gosh, there's Dave. Dave's the body man at this shop now. So I'm like, okay, this thing's over. You might as well because this guy hates me, right? Right. But, so what happened was I'm about 10 minutes into, maybe 15 minutes into my 40-minute conversation with everybody kind of getting them on board with what we're going to be doing and how we're going to be doing it and all that. And he goes, and he stands up and he goes, well, he says, Mark, stop. I'm like, okay, I'll just grab my car keys and leave. Then. <laughs> <laughs> and he stood up and he said, I want everybody to know who this guy is. Now, mind you, I hadn't seen this guy for two years, just a body man in a shop. And what he said to me was just like, like to this day, I am just like dumbfounded the impact because he said, okay, guys, here's the deal these guys would come in, they kept pushing me and they kept saying stuff. And, you know, they would say when I was doing stuff good and I couldn't really hear them when they said they were doing stuff bad, but they didn't give up on me. Every month they came back. And eventually I went, you know what, why don't I listen to him? So he did. And he said, let me tell you what happened. He said, what happened is my quality went up. And in this particular company, they had a comeback they, they would, they would, logged the comebacks by technician. And he said, I became the, the and this was a multiple MSO, um, one of the larger ones in California at the time. And basically, uh, he said, I became number one in the CSI of comebacks, like not having them. Number one. 
And he said, and on top of that, my pay went up. And I wound up not having to work as many hours because I was just, I was getting it right the first time. And he said, and, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And he goes, and my wife and I, we were getting ready to get a divorce. And I just realized that I was a jerk. And I started, I, I joined the YMCA with my kids and I stopped wanting to kick my dog. Wow. And then he turns to me and he goes, all of that's Mark because Mark didn't give up on me. That's awesome. See, I, mean, I got to tell you that. I've, they, so I said, Dave, 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 you know, I know you're a body man. Do you want to go on tour with me and just give that, 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 that uh, glowing, uh, you know, rendition of the effect that, that my companies can have for an individual. And then of course I turned around to the rest of the audience. I said, results are not typical guys. This is not, what to expect. We're not going to save your marriage. That's not what we're professing here. But, but the reality was, is that you, you never know the impact you're having on some human being just by your interaction, even if they never tell you. Because if I wouldn't have walked in that shop that day, I would have never known the impact I had on Dave's life. And I invite everybody to consider that you have an impact on other Okay, sorry about that. My phone rang again. So I invite you to consider that you have an impact on human beings, whether or not you ever know it, at the grocery store, at that. And my mantra in life is that every person has a thing tattooed on their forehead, and it says MMFI. You know what that stands for? MMFI. No, I don't. I mean, I probably do, but I can't think of it. Every, human being, every human being has the need the, the most sought after thing in the universe is admiration for people to admire people. They don't need food. They don't need drugs, but if you admire them and treat them as a human being with dignity, that's what people want. So MMFI stands for make me feel important. So when I look at everybody's forehead, my job is to make them feel important. Well, that is, and that not, is not, not be awesome, but make them feel important because of who they are as a human being. So now you've seen me do public presentations. Oh yeah. Can, would you agree that that's kind of how that comes off when I'm in that room? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's because everybody's got that on their forehead. <laughs> a absolutely. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in just saying hello. I mean, say hi to yeah. people. Um, makes a big Any difference. Right. Anything. Yep. Well, I, I got to tell you, Mark, we've, we've gone 46 minutes um, and I, there's so much more that we could talk about. I mean, you're just a great, great interview person to have and, and talk about. Um, so we're going to we're going to finish up with uh, one last question and then uh, we'll wrap it up. And, and again, I just truly want to say thank you for being able to to share with us, because like I said, I. I admire you. Um, I definitely consider you a friend and in and, and, and the industry as well. So um, my last question for you is this one. If you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, wow. So Martin Luther King. I like that. Why? Um, you got to say why, though. Well, in the face of adversity, he was willing to take a bullet for what he believed. And he had a dream, and that bullet rang around the world. 
He made a difference for amazing, many amazing people. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially today we're, 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 we're looking at, um, you know, what's going on and, you know, we had the riots in the sixties and we had the, you know, different things that are going on, but you know, there, there was definitely, he, he changed the world. I would agree. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Mother Teresa. Okay. Um, because somebody that <clears throat> for, from a no worldly possession, she didn't want anything and she was just pure love, you know, and I, and I could say that about, um, other religious figures, you know, there's God and Jesus and all that, but, you know, as a, as a person in the flesh that you could actually have dinner with, um, that, you know, that is, is recent, um, there, and then, who's the other one? Gosh. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to stump you on questions today. That was good. Well, it's just that, you know, I, I, you, didn't, you didn't ask me the normal collision repair questions. You're digging into Mark Olson's mind, right? Well, well this is inspiring uh, times, though. This you know, is it's okay, though. It's okay. Um, okay. Uh, who's the next one? Um, dead or alive? Um you know, this, this one's going to shock you. And, and, and I hate to even say it in a public forum, but I'm going to say it. I, I would love to have dinner with Hitler. Okay. It, it does shock me a little bit, but uh, explain, yeah. explain why. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I, and I, and I've, I've researched a lot um, of Hitler and the Reich and, and all that. And, and so I'm kind of a, a history buff on uh, the Nazis and Hitler. You probably didn't know that. No, I did not. And, and so let's set aside all of the horrible things that Hitler did and all of the horrible, um, you know, atrocities and, you know, and, you know, people getting exterminated and wars and, and all that. And I really believe that he was just an amazingly intelligent human being. How do, you, how do you go to prison, write a book saying exactly what you're going to do, come out, you don't even get elected. He was never elected, by the way. He was just given it because the other guy he, got, he was running against that he lost to died. And they said, well, we'll make you president. That's fine. And then you take your book and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. It's called Mein Kampf. And he actually did exactly what he wrote in the book. And everybody looked at him like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you doing this? He goes, it was in my book. I told you I was going to do this. <laughs> now, to do that, that takes an amazingly intelligent human being to do that, to understand human psychology, et cetera. Could you imagine if he actually used his mind for good, not evil. Things and could, could so have been different. Huh? I said things could have been much different. Well, absolutely. And this and the and the part of him is he actually believed in what he was doing based on his upbringing and all that. So 
for for me to go out and have dinner with him, I think that would be fascinating to understand how it is. And I invite everybody that's listening to this, including yourself, if you've never been through the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., I highly encourage you to go to go there. And look at the propaganda, look at all of how he did mind control of an entire country and um, and had people buying into this is a good thing. It's crazy. Now, had he used his mind for good, not evil, we would have a much different world. And I truly believe that, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody else with his mind, his type of mind and intelligence level could surface and the world would look very different. So I, I'm fascinated with how you, how you tell everybody you're going to do something and then you go do it and you just stay on your mission. I mean, he was a driven man, highly intelligent. Now we can disagree. And I, well, I agree that what he did was horrible and should have been executed. And I mean, there's just no excuse for what he did, but how he did it is just baffling to me and just, and just amazing. So, um, so yeah, it's probably a little shocking that I would want to have that conversation, but only from the standpoint of to understand um, how a mind like that works. No, and, 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 and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, you know, feeling like you should not have said it because that's really what that question is, is, is not yeah. just having, you know, like a family dinner. No, you want to, yeah. you're having dinner with three people that had made some kind of impact in life. So whether it be good or bad, just to understand yep. that person. So, yep. you know, that yep. I, I think those are very good choices that you made um, on being able to understand, you know, different way, the way they were thinking, Hey, I get a chance to just ask you questions. Like we're doing an interview now on why did yep. you do this? Or what were you thinking? Or, you know, those are, that's, that's huge. And, and I, I respect yep. that. So that's yep. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And most people, when I say that, when I say that to people, they're like, Oh my God, you're no, 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 relax here. Here. Why think about it. <laughs> and, that, and hence that's just the reason why I say the three people and then why. So that way people understand yeah. why you want to go ahead. And, and I think that was a great explanation and I don't think anybody should be offended by that. Again, these are inspiring times with a mentee. I just wanted to again, say thank you to uh, Mark Olson for him taking the time um, out of his busy day and, and, and getting a couple calls while we were on our, our recording. But, you know, Mark, thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for everything you do in the industry. Thank you for being my friend as well. Um, I, I can't tell you how much I really look up to you. And, and after doing the interview with you today, there were some things that you said to me that just made me just say, wow, I should have, I need to be looking at myself on some things that I got to do. So, um, before we end this, we always end this with, uh, whether it be my Facebook live or, or my podcast, we end up with a couple of uh, shout outs. So first of all, I'm going to give a huge shout out to all our public safety officers out there, police, firemen, paramedics, as well as our dispatchers, um, especially for those people in, in, in your state that are going through all kinds of things out there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, then, yep. Yep. Um, to all our, uh, retired, uh, veterans out there in the military we thank you for your service to all those that are serving now we appreciate it to all our vietnam veterans a special welcome home to you that is huge to you 
And as always, I'm truly blessed to be able to have the opportunity to have a platform to be able to share stuff with you guys. And I hope you'll like and share these uh, podcasts. Um, this is a this is a huge one. I keep getting these better and better. This is number three with Mark Olson. Again, sir, thank you. And I hope you have a great remainder of your week. Yeah, and thank you, Amente, for what you do. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy.